Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your Wednesday host, Aaron Hook. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. This is Offsides here on September the 28th, 2022. Here every week, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays from 5 to 6, you can catch Offsides. And as you heard a moment ago, I am your Wednesday host, Aaron Hook. I'm joined by uh, three members of our sports department. Uh, I've got Laquan Burrows and Kobe O'Brien across the glass for me in the WGLS production studio or the conference studio I should say we're here in the production studio and Jack Miller is right across the desk from me guys to uh great to have you guys here I should say uh not as much really to uh, delve into it as the last couple of times um uh, last couple of Wednesdays have been pretty hectic uh, we've done NFL MLB and NBA we've covered all three today we're just gonna stick to uh, football and baseball but uh, still some pretty interesting topics to talked about and as we usually do we're going to start out by previewing uh tomorrow night's Thursday night football matchup and this week uh week four is going to kick off with the Miami Dolphins heading to Cincinnati to take on the one and two Bengals coming off a win on Sunday against my New York Jets and uh they made pretty quick work of the Jets uh obviously we knew going into the game that the Bengals receiving core uh, with the trio of uh, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins. We're probably going to have a field day against uh, a young Jets secondary, uh, and they did so. And Joe Burrow looked really comfortable as well, by far his best performance of the year so far. And so we're going to send it into the conference studio first, and uh, I'll go to Kobe O'Brien here. Kobe, you know, this is a really interesting game. Two of the league's most explosive offenses, and in terms of the quarterback spot for the Dolphins, um, Tua did go down last week um, in the game against Buffalo. Teddy Bridgewater came in for uh, a bit. But Tua right now uh, is on track to play. He says the plan is to play tomorrow night against the Bengals. And so we're looking at two first-round picks from that 2020 draft class with Joe Burrow obviously going number one overall and then uh, the Dolphins selecting Tua at number five. And so both these guys have had different trajectories so far throughout their uh, first few years of their career, but they're going to meet here in, in you know a matchup that should be pretty fun to watch, right, with all the great receivers out there uh, for either side. Oh, yeah, it's going to be an explosive matchup. I think it's going to be I – I, I just think on paper with the, just the receiving cores they have, it's probably going to be one of the most exciting games of the year. Um, but what I'm most excited for is uh, just Tyree Kill against Eli Apple. Did you guys see what he said? No, what he said. Who, Tyreek? Yeah, he said, I can't wait to go against Eli Apple. I own you, boy. Wow. Oh, wow. Strong words. <laughs> Fighting words. So that's why I really like the Dolphins in this matchup, <laughs> purely just because of that. I could give you tons of statistics. But if you have the confidence to say that you own someone, you're going to go out. Yeah. You're going to ball out. <laughs> yeah, well, Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle have pretty much owned most defensive bats uh, in the lead this year and obviously we saw kind of flashes of that most you know particularly I think against Baltimore in that crazy Ravens game where the Dolphins came all the way back um, just kind of the explosive chemistry that they have with Tua um, and Laquan you know it, it's going to set up a really cool matchup where this could be a shootout, right? You could have Burrow with his three big guys and, and Boyd and Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins go down the field and then Tua come right back at you with kind of that dink and dunk style um, with both Waddle and Hill. As we know, their game uh, is best suited after the catch. Um, so, again, really kind of an interesting dynamic here in this matchup. And for the Bengals, they got a bid win on Sunday against the Jets to avoid that 0-3 start. Uh, I was w- watching the game, obviously. And I think the stat they threw out was like, if you start 0 3 in the NFL, your chances of making the playoffs is like something like two and a half percent. So yeah, it's very low. They they avoided a disastrous start to the year here, and now they come at home against an undefeated Miami team right now, sitting at the top of the AFC. Um, you know, who do you think really comes out on top? Do you think the Bengals can get back to 500 here against this tough Miami team, or do they stay undefeated and go to 4 and 0? It's a really tough. <clears throat> 
<clears throat> it's really tough to say. It really all depends on the Bengals' offensive line because mm-hmm. that's something that I've been seeing this entire season. I I, I love me some Joe Burrow, Joe Seisty, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> love him. But you, you, you saw him out there those first two weeks. He couldn't – he had no time to do anything. He kept getting sacked. Like, his offensive line was not helping him. So if his offensive line is there, then it's they have a pretty good chance of going up a, 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 against the Dolphins and beating mm-hmm. them. But if their offensive line doesn't show up, then I feel like they're screwed because the Dolphins, they've been surprising me these past couple years. Like, they, they're they extremely explosive. They have a, a great offense, like we talked about with Waddle. Waddle is going off this entire season. Um, Tua, it also depends on Tua and how how he's feeling with his with his uh, back mm-hmm. injury and his uh, head going after the whole um, concussion protocol that happened last right. week as well. But I feel like if the Bengals' offensive line shows up, then they have a really good chance of winning. If not, I got the Dolphins all the way. Yeah, I think uh, it's a good point you made about the line. It's been their weakness definitely since, I mean, Burrow got there and even before that. Yeah, they haven't drafted anything to that uh, offensive line, which I'm really surprised. You would Mm -hmm. think that that's something that they would want to focus on. I mean, you remember a couple years ago, you know, the conversation was with their first-round pick, do they do a line with Penny Sewell or do they do a receiver with Jamar Chase? Now – the Jamal now, Chase pick. That's is, a different story. Yeah. It's worked out. <laughs> yeah. It has worked out. Um, but with everything else, it's just like they yeah. they really need to start focusing on that if they want to keep uh-huh. Joe Burrow healthy and keep him there because we don't want to see another Andrew Luck yeah, exactly. or I mean, RG3 or anything like that happen. Obviously, he gets hurt as a rookie, tears his, his knee up um, because of the offensive line struggles. And, um, it's again, it's a good point because even during their Super Bowl run last year, it was always the thing that was like you know going into that Super Bowl matchup with the Rams. You always figured the offensive line is gonna get you know it's gonna get eaten up by that Rams front, obviously with Aaron Donald and Von Miller was there last year, so you knew they were gonna have some issues, and they certainly did with them in that game. But Jack, you know, just again, I, I like to use the Jets game as an example because last week I think that was really the most complete game that they've played all year and the line was a part of that as well a lot of people thought that it was it was a Jets front that was maybe going to break out a little bit against the Bengals and really again obviously with the Jets secondary it is improved but the Bengals three wide receivers are so good that um you know a lot of people figured that they would win the game through making Burrow uncomfortable right getting to him uh kind of closing out on the pocket and making Burrow have to make quick decisions they're going to hit him a lot. That's what a lot of people thought was going to happen on Sunday. But instead, the Bengals line actually held up pretty well. Um, and so if they can have the same type of success, obviously, like McCall was talking about against the Dolphins front, you figure that you give Burrow time to throw with a clean pocket. Uh, he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. Obviously, all the deep shots that uh, they've hit over the last couple of years with him and Chase and, and Higgins as well for those explosive plays. Um, it's going to also factor in, you know, both defenses as well, obviously, because these are two receiving cores that can make an explosive play at any time. And so you look at the back end of both defense. Um, you've got some stars on either side. You really do. Jesse Bates at safety um, for Cincinnati and their kind of corner duo uh, with Awuzie and Eli Apple, who, again, has been up and down um, since he's come to Cincinnati. He's had some nice moments, and it'll be interesting to see that matchup uh, like Kobe was talking about with Hill and, and Waddle when he's matched up with them but you know for Miami you've got Javon Holland on the back end at safety obviously Xavier Howard at corner so stars are going to be all over the field in this one I think it's got a chance to be a really really good game Jack yeah I also do agree with Laquan that it has to it kind of depends on the offensive line for the Bengals to see if they can actually win this game if Burrow has one second more of time he's totally fine for the Bengals team to in order to to in order to succeed so that's what they did um, on against the Jets. I honestly had the Jets winning against the against the Bengals because of how poor their offensive line has been playing. But the offensive line showed up, and they and the Bengals were able to secure victory over New York. So I think the Bengals have a good chance, or a decent chance, of beating the Dolphins. But that Dolphins team is really well rounded offensively. That I don't see them losing against the Bengals. Yeah, and. I think one more thing, guys, I'm just going to gauge your interest on, on all this real quick before we get into some score predictions. When you look at the coaching side of things, obviously the Bengals had that Super Bowl run last year, and Zach Taylor is at the helm, so he's going to get credit. But there have been some instances where coaching-wise, I think Zach Taylor has kind of come up short um, because of all the talent he's got offensively. 
Um, there are just times where the blocking schemes are a little bit weird, um, and obviously the, the offensive line not performing. Although, again, it's not the most talented offensive line on paper anyway. It's got to be on the coaching a little bit. You know, there's penalties all over the place. And so with Miami, Mike McDaniel's come in here, and he's been one of the best play callers in the NFL, really playing to his strengths um, with, again, kind of the short underneath stuff with Hill and Waddle. So is coaching going to have maybe as big of an impact in this game as, as I think? I think it might come down to McDaniel versus Taylor's play calling with both offenses going right at each other. If it is going to be a shootout, it might come down to – you know, who, who can be the cover, who can, you know, make the mistake first or kind of prop the other down to make the mistake. So, Kobe, is this going to be kind of two young head coaches going at each other and they might be the ones that, that decide this battle tomorrow night? I, I think that's 1,000% what's going to happen. I think McDaniel is one of the best young minds in the league. Uh-huh. And just, it's, I've never thought of this before, but watching him coach is so entertaining because <laughs> him himself is a character, but... You like you said the run after a catch and his his schemes that he took from San Francisco with Kittle and Debo, it was the perfect fit, and he is. He, I feel like he's growing even more as a play caller than he was as an OC because he's using Tyreek and Waddle so well, and he also has Cedric Wilson who's he's chewing up yards too, mm-hmm. and uh, I think scheme wise, he's gonna find a hole. In the in the Bengals defense before before Taylor finds a hole in, in the in the Miami defense. Yeah, and then I you talked about kind of the stuff that he brought over from San Fran that wide zone kind of um, steam where he gets guys open off play action and that is Tua's strength, right? Rolling them out and Tua is an actor a guy with a little bit of athleticism as well. Um, but you know the quad on the other side, Zach Taylor comes from that Ram system with Sean McVay, and it does have similar principles with the kind of wide zone running steam, but mm-hmm. With Burrow, you know, he's more of that kind of guy that you want in the traditional drop-back game. And you've got three stud receivers with Boyd, Higgins, and Chase that can beat you deep, beat you underneath, beat you over the middle. They're all so well-rounded. So, again, I I, I asked Kobe, and he was on board with me with the coaching stuff. Again, it it might not even come down to just play calling um, at the end of games or anything like that or getting guys in rhythm. Sometimes Zach Taylor just... There's just personnel matchups on the field that don't really make sense. Like, you know, sometimes he'll he'll blitz three when the other team he'll blitz three or four when the other team brings in an extra tight end yeah. and they're clearly running the ball or something like I that. I feel like he likes to try a lot of risks, and I feel like right. they pay off sometimes and they don't. <laughs> and it's really gonna come down to what type of risks is he going to try during this game, yep. and will they pay off? So I feel like he has to be smart about it, but at the same time, don't fully stray away from the risks you have to do do them in in reason but i feel like with how great these two offensive uh, offensive uh teams can be they really need something to give them that edge yeah i feel like the risk of trying certain um trick plays or just something like out out of the box right will be either a big detriment or a big success for these teams. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of how the Bengals got off to that great start exactly. last year. Is the Burrow to Chase connection on those fifty-yard-plus touchdown throws <laughs> yeah. all the time? Just toss it up there and see if it works. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean Jamar's got to be down there somewhere, right? So, um, yeah, I mean you're right. Zach Taylor is definitely a risk taker, um, and he trusts Joe Burrow to take those risks, and they've paid off for the most part over the last couple of seasons um and so okay we're gonna get into some score predictions here uh i'm gonna start with jack um score prediction and winner for tomorrow night i think dolphins are winning but i think they're gonna win 38 28 yeah it's gonna be high scoring for sure um i don't see i see the d both defenses collapsing a little bit just how just because of how both uh offenses uh can explode so um, I think Dolphins win 38-28. Um, probably Tua will uh, execute with a touchdown with um, like three minutes left to secure the deal. So. Yeah, both quarterbacks, obviously two of the most accurate in the lead. So if you yeah. let them get going into a rhythm, again, this could play <laughs> out like a shootout where both guys are just in sync uh, and going right at each other. Kobe, score prediction? Uh, I got 35-21. Ooh. Uh, well, I think Who, that, Miami or – Yeah, Miami. Okay, okay. Uh 
I, I, we haven't mentioned once that Melvin Ingram is a, still a part of like the, def- the defensive line yep. for the uh, Dolphins, mm-hmm. and he's. I think he's going to have a great game and just tee off on those on those O linemen. So I think they're off. They're going to get their points, you know, the Bengals. But uh-huh. I think, I think their pass rush is going to fail with him, and they they have an underrated pass rush in my opinion. Yeah, I did that back end with Howard and and Javon Holland, uh, two of the best. You know, defensive players, I think, at their position in the lead, you could argue. Oh, so, yeah, he's locked down. Howard's yeah. locked down. Yep. And then, so, I mean, uh, Miami, I think you could argue they've got the more star-studded uh, defense. And so – I think they win uh, They win the majority of the matchups on paper. Right. When it comes to the line play, when it comes to in the back end with all the – you know, res- like uh, Xavier Howard and Jamar Casey is going be a great matchup. But what happens to the rest of the of the receivers and, and corners? Mm. I think they match up way better. Laquan, what about you? Similar to Kobe, I feel like it's going to be um, 35-24 Dolphins. I feel like the Dolphins are they on the, on paper just like Kobe said they're all, overall a more rounded team in my opinion. And with the unpredictability of the Bengals' offensive line, I can't have I can't see them winning as of right now. If they show up, then they have a great chance, mm-hmm. but they have one good track. They have one game track, where and not to not to diss your team, but it was against the Jets. Right. So like that's fair. I'll, I mean, I was thinking that the entire time. <laughs> I was like, he's really gassing yeah. the Jets for some reason. <laughs> well, I'm I'm da- you said you said I'm making them out to be more than they are. The Jets. Well, I mean, their their yeah. their defensive <laughs> line is not bad. Yeah, yeah but I thought like, they'd beat them. Up that's what I'm. That's why. That's why I, I thought they won. That's why I think they would win. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, right? I mean, that defense. I just thought at least the the Jets could get Burrow uncomfortable a little bit, yeah. but they didn't do that. Burrow stood in the pocket all day with time to throw, and he tore them up. So I mean. Mm-hmm. I you know I I gotta give I gotta give the Jets a little credit. They, oh no! I'll give oh you yeah, they're more. They're more. They're just a little confused. They're more yeah. talented. <laughs> wow! I didn't realize I was I was dashing them up that much. Me neither. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a little, a little bit. I, and I mean, that's fair. I thought I, I thought I was a little bit. I well, yeah. I'm just trying to like. <laughs> I'm trying to give myself some yeah. like sort like, of closure here. Yeah, exactly. In baseball, it's like you need pitchers to win, but like in football you need offensive an offensive line to win so that's yeah. why i would think the jets would win because the uh, Bengals' offensive line yeah, is no, that poor fair. so but like the jets sound like their defense is all that yeah i mean well it, yeah but I'm well just there, saying, like, there's holes in Bengals. the defense but i was just saying that it is an improved unit yeah um, of course. Oh, and of so yeah Bengals went out there and that's and that's what that's what good teams do and obviously burrow had, had no issue throwing against the jets in that one although sauce Gardner did get in uh jamar Jamar's yeah, do you think Jamar Chase oh, is going to yeah. fight someone again? Like, now, <laughs> oh, oh, most definitely, most definitely. Like, please, like he's going to fight Xavier. I mean, Howard. I feel like, Howard. Why do I have a feeling that Eli Apple is going to get into a fight? Well, <laughs> it's going to be, I guess, with either Tyreek or whoever he's guarding. Yeah. So I actually went. Uh, he, he actually went to to my high school. Eli Apple. Where, sister, yeah. Where's he from? Uh, Voorhees. Voorhees okay. I think that's where he. Where that, he's yeah. from. I mean, yeah. how good was he in high school? Yeah. Yeah, he's from yeah, he's from I mean, Eastern. He must have been. Pr- I mean, yeah, how good was he? Went, in to, high went to Ohio State. I mean, I didn't so. see him in, in in high school, so I I have, don't fully know. But I mean, I, a lot I, he of was, guys from around he, here. He was good enough to where they put him on like our our school wall. So. I, he hey, went okay. to Ohio State. He yeah. was awesome there in college, so I'm sure he was a baller uh, in high school, probably as well. So uh, we're gonna take our first break here on Offsides. This is uh, your Wednesday edition of Offsides. Aaron Hook, Jack Miller, Laquan Burrows, and Kobe O'Brien with you. Before we do a break, we've got to quickly take a look at the WGLS campus calendar. Are you looking for a fellow damer here at Rowan University? Looking for a community that shares your interest in video games? Rowan's eSports club has competitive teams and is a place for students who enjoy casual games. The general meetings are open to everyone and happen every other Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. in James Hall, room 100 and oh, wow, room 1112. So that's 1112. Their hottest teams include Rocket League, Overwatch, Call of Duty, Super Smash Bros., and more. To get involved with the esports club, visit their profit page. This campus calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS FM, your home for campus news and information. More offsides when we return. favorite part of a TV show or movie is the soundtrack, then the Sunday matinee is a dream come true. 
I'm Ellen Hardy, and I'll be there for you every Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. to bring you the best of television and movie soundtracks together into three hours of pure awesomeness. So don't you forget about me and the Sunday matinee every Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. only here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. This is Offsides here on this Wednesday, September the 28th, the year of our Lord, 2022, 5.22 p.m. Here in Glassboro, I am Aaron Hook, your Wednesday host for Offsides. Every Wednesday, you can catch me 5 to 6 every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday during the week. Uh, we're going to have Offsides for you. And uh, by the way, we've got a, a plethora of new podcasts on the way, including uh, Mr. Jack Miller here across from me in the WGLS uh, production studio. We're going to be hosting the 10th inning podcast. Jack, where uh, can everyone hear that uh, and when? Cool. Uh, the first show most likely will be on Thursday, October 6th. So we're going to have it every Thursdays at 4 p.m. So be sure to come in on Channel 2 for that. And me and Kara will be your hosts for every Thursday episode. So, And we're just going to talk about everything baseball. We'll, our first show will be right when the season ends. And uh, so we'll be talking about playoffs. Um, who did we expect to uh, make the playoffs who, and uh, who did we expect to miss the playoffs that did? All that's good stuff. But we'll be talking about everything, baseball, playoffs, all that good stuff. And we'll hopefully be around for the whole school year. So um, be sure to come on uh, October 6th, most likely, for our first show at 4 p.m. All right, there you go, Jeff Miller and Tara Duda, the 10th inning podcast. Heard it there first, October 6th, first episode. We're going to get into some baseball stuff here. On offsides uh, a little bit later into the show. We're going to stick to the NFL right now uh, and move on from uh, tomorrow night's Thursday night football uh, matchup, Dolphins, Bengals. And we're going to get into some injury news from around the league. Uh, just a, a few interesting ones that popped up. Um, we'll start with um, Sterling Shepard of the New York Giants, who. Tore his ACL uh, on Monday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys won that one 23-16 and defeated the Giants. So the Eagles now have sole possession of first place. But uh, near the end of the game, Shepard is running downfield. No one really near him. Um, And we've heard the stereotype before of the quote-unquote MetLife turf and how brutal it is and just kind of the tradition of that field as it is the the tradition of the stadium as a whole is deteriorating year after year and so there's probably got to be something done as we'll get into that question and how it pertains to the injury and all that but just kind of from a football perspective Sterling Shepard has been with the Giants organization for a number of years now he's been a reliable wideout for year after year he's never been you know, this true number one guy or anything, but he's been a very consistent, reliable option for uh, the kind of uh, revolving door of, of quarterbacks that the Giants have had over the last few years, obviously transitioning from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones and the injuries that he's had and kind of the backups that have stepped in in his place. So um going to go to Laquan first here on this one. The Giants have started 2-1, and one, um, but with the loss to Dallas, obviously we see their kind of first... Um, impressions against a division opponent. And so you lose one of your more reliable wideouts now, and you've got to rely on some of the other guys to step up, like a Tadarius Tony, who hasn't gotten into the mitts as much so far this year, or a guy who they picked last year, Wandale Robinson out of Kentucky. So how, you know, I, I guess the way I'm trying to um, phrase the question is, Laquan, is like, how big of a loss is this for the Giants? Now, you could kind of figure that, 
they weren't going to be all that good anyway. Now they started 2-0, but are they going to come back down to earth? And is the Shepherd thing really going to hinder their playoff chances? Or do you think this is a team that is really going to kind of be hurting from, from the loss of Shepard? So I feel like it's an interesting kind of look at it because Shepard, like we kind of talked about, he wasn't like a huge, huge player on the Giants, but he's still an important factor in their in in their team. So I feel like it's definitely going to be a big loss for them in that sense, and it might kind of bring them down to earth for a little bit. But if they can figure it out, kind of move move some pieces around, they might still be good for a little bit. But I mean, I feel like Shepard, like I said, while he wasn't the biggest piece is still an important piece it's, it's, it's like one, one of those things like where it's like you you look at something if it falls out it's like oh it's like not the most important but it's definitely gonna help mm-hmm. like w- with it in so i feel like shepherd's kind of like that piece for the giants yeah he's it's like he's not he's not the top uh-huh. top guy on their team but they definitely do need someone like that now i think the problem is with the giants is who is really the the top guy there? That's obviously, the issue. That's the, you really obviously don't. you have you know Dalladay, and he's Dalladay's had issues with him not playing all that much. He played in week two, I think, two snaps or, or three snaps, and he was he was voicing his frustrations. He was like, "I'm here to play. I got paid to play." Now, when he's been on the field, he hasn't been all that good, and so you kind of understand Brian Dable's decision to cut his reps there. But yeah, you know, when you went to Shepard, like like we've been talking about, Laquan never the number one guy, but you look at his career, he's been very, very solid. He's, he's been uh, reliable for them. Right. He was a second-round pick in 2016. His best year so far came in 2018. He played all 16 games, 872 yards and four touchdowns. His rookie year, he had eight touchdowns. Um, he's had a couple more years here with 500-plus yards, and he's missed some time as well. He's he's dealt with injuries throughout his career, Kobe. So, you know, don't want to say it's not surprising to see him go down because I don't want to use that term, right? You obviously don't wish injury on on anybody, but this is a guy who's dealt with health problems and staying durable his entire NFL career, and so he goes down once again. Um, and now the Giants are going to have to look to other options offensively to help out Daniel Jones, and obviously with, with Saquon kind of returning to form a little bit. Um, We've seen a lot of good flashes from Saquon of, of his old self, and looks like the running game for the Giants could, you know, get back to being serviceable or you know even above average if Saquon keeps it up. But in the passing game, again, this has been a major break year for Daniel Jones so far. You haven't really seen anything that that you love out of him. You haven't really seen him come into his own all that much. He's played okay, uh, but you lose Shepard now, and that's a a trusty pair of hands that Daniel Jones has now got to move forward without. Yeah, you know it is. It is going to be a little stressful on him just because he has that relationship already built up with Shepard. But in a weird way, I kind of think it's going to be a blessing in disguise for the Giants because they're going to because they're kind of forced to let their young guys play. You know, Richie James, he's been solid for them this year. He he came out of nowhere and he I think he leads them in receptions. Um, and then you got Kadarius Tony, which he has been getting playing time. It's been him and Galladay that have been getting playing time. I don't think Galladay should get any more playing time. He's he, at this point he's doing cardio. <laughs> Are you a Gi- you're a Giants fan? I'm probably. a Panthers fan. Panthers, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's uh, yeah. So Galladay, he's 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 trying to contribute. He's not, but I think Kadarius Tony, he's a great player. And then um, for third, I think their third receiver, it's a it's escaping me. Wondell Robinson, mm-hmm. yeah, he's really good. I think if they play those three. And they allowed Daniel Jones to establish a relationship with them. I think they could be honestly better because uh-huh. I think what happens a lot of times is you try to force the ball to like veteran receivers, and if you just you know tell Galladay that we're probably going to trade you at the deadline, and unfortunately about Shepard, I think they could be really good. And Saquon is looking is looking solid. And that's the thing with the Giants. I feel like they like it almost feels like they're right there like about to like be a team that like, could be good they're just missing something i can't fully figure out what that something is it might be like you said like trusting too much on old, older veterans and not fully like utilizing your younger talent but like it's i feel like they they always just have something that they're missing right and i, I mean the giants again have struggled from a lot of the same problems that their New York counterparts have in the Jets. I, I don't want to keep bringing them up, but I will. <laughs> um, I will anyway. Uh, you know, the offensive line play has been shaky. Now they found some some pieces. Andrew Thomas has looked 
awesome this year. So that's really good uh, to see from them. They picked him out of Georgia in the first round. And to start his career, he was really shaky, but he has figured it out really quickly. It looks like one of the best young tackles in football, really. And so you've got Evan Neal on the other side, obviously still a rookie. Uh, I still think he's going to be a good player down the road, so he'll figure it out there. So they're still trying to build in the foundation are the Giants. And so when you lose a guy um, like Slate, uh, like, not Slate, uh, Shepard, I mean, um, again, it's just a veteran guy in that locker room who you're now without week in and week out. And so, Jack, when you look at just kind of the Giants moving forward here, um, does this really, you know, again, I just, we can get your outlook on where you think they're headed at least this season. Um, because, again, they've they've played above, you know, where their roster stands at in terms of personnel, I think, because of the coaching. And so do you think that Dable and the coaching staff can figure out a way to get guys more involved and make life easier on Jones even without one of his better receivers? I think that the Giants are going to be at where everyone predicted them to be. They improved, but they're not going to make the playoffs, um, especially after this, uh, after the injury. So um, I think, like, Barkley's definitely stepped up his game from last year, even when he had his injury and whatnot. Um, He looks like rookie uh, Saquon. And I think that the Giants are just going to be this average team that, as Laquan said, they're they're just missing something. And they don't know what they're missing, but they, they, they have to figure it out. And it could be something within the organization itself. So um, they might have to look like it could be with, with play calling and all that stuff. So um, I think they're just going to be this average team. I think they'll probably end up with um, – they'll probably break that six-win mark, mm. but I think they'll be at like seven or eight. Right. So – you know, again, Shepard going down is certainly going to hurt them. We'll see how they fare the rest of the way. Um, and so, you know, again, going into into games without one of your top targets. And for a quarterback like Daniel Jones, who really needs a sure pair of hands at all times, yeah, uh, because we know how erratic he can be, uh, it's certainly, I think, going to hurt his stock a little bit. But we'll, we'll see for the New York football Giants coming off the Monday night loss to Dallas. And so uh, Sterling Shepard, obviously, uh, you know, good faith goes out to him. Um, very likable guy. You saw he was on the card after he tore his ACL. All the guys from both teams came over, were dapping him up, wishing him well, uh, even when he was in pain. So that was a, a good sight to see there. Uh, and so continuing with the injury news in the NFL, uh, Jack Miller is uh, not going to like this one as – his Chargers, who, by the way, uh, we'll we'll talk about the game a little bit, um, got blown out by the Jacksonville Jaguars yes. at home in L.A. Stop looking at me, Kobe. <laughs> Thirty-eight to ten. Trevor Lawrence, the golden boy with the golden hair, walks into L.A. and dismantles the Chargers, who uh, obviously a lot of people were picking to start the year to win their division and you know get out of the AFC. They have. Had some issues uh, along the way. It's been a bumpy ride through three weeks for them, and now they're going to have to go um, at least the next four weeks. It looks like longer without their star pass rusher, Joey Bosa. Um, so he suffers another injury uh, on the turf field out there in L.A. Um, and so this kind of raises the question with two guys in a row suffering big-time injuries because of it. Does the NFL kind of think maybe about getting rid of turf fields altogether and just playing – on grass now that'd be a pretty uh, not crazy concept but it would be just kind of weird to me at first guys I think uh to just see the artificial turf completely gone um and you know it's all natural fields from that point out grass but I guess if it benefits the players then why not right right Laquan as someone who used to play football I always preferred grass. Uh-huh. I mean, turf wasn't bad, but I always preferred it because of, of stuff like this. Now, I don't think they're just going to completely get rid of it like right away. It was definitely going to like take some time. But this is something that if the players are like voicing their concerns about this and you see it happening over and over again, especially two two games in a row like this and two bigger players for these, these two teams, I feel like it's definitely something to at least – consider and to, to look at it because you want these these players to be healthy you want them to continue playing the game that they love and if they're continuously getting injured because of the, the turf field or just in general like how we were talking with like some of these stadiums they're just the conditions of these stadiums just aren't great so even if uh-huh. you're not going to completely get rid of the turf at least uh, like update it like Upgrade try to it, like yeah. try to do something to like make these fields newer and safer so that these players can continue to do what they love because i would hate 
as as a player myself, like that, I would hate to have had my my whole season ruined because oh, I slipped on some turf the wrong way, and now I'm yeah. out the entire season because the NFL doesn't want to put resources into making this game better for me. It's kind of an interesting concept because obviously the NFL over the last decade plus has taken all these steps to preventing head trauma, head injuries, concussions has been like the biggest mm-hmm. really kind of talking point um, injury-wise. I think it's throughout sports, you know, over the last decade plus it's how football players are, you know, with the CTE stuff and uh, there was the movie that came out uh, a few years ago, uh, titled Concussion. Will Smith is in it. Really good movie, by the way, that yeah. talked about a lot of the guys from yeah. old, you know, 70s and the 80s who, without this kind of updated technology and the emphasis on head stuff, really suffered. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's like almost not as big of an issue, I would say, as the concussion stuff, obviously, because um, that's really been their main concern. But guys – playing on field conditions that are not great and not really geared towards stopping and starting all the time with the, with the turf underneath them. You know, Odell Beckham uh, really brought it to light. He tweeted it out after the Shepard injury. He said, just get rid of it altogether. He didn't say that. He threw some profanities in there, but (laughs) I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, billions made off this damn. I can't understand why we can't play on grass. Um, It's rough. Prayers up for my brother talking about Sterling Shepard. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Odell is a pretty solid point. I mean, you know, if, if they are going to take precautions to keep players safer here, Jack, you know, we could see a change in, in, you know, the artificial turf stuff and a lot of teams go grass, go completely natural with the field. And obviously the look of the field with turf maybe is a little more, bit more aesthetically pleasing, but Again, if if that's what it, you know the cost is for keeping players safe, I'm sure the NFL is gonna eventually have to realize it might be something that they're gonna have the have their hand force to do down down the line. Yeah, I think that they don't need to go completely to grass. I mean, that could be an option. I just don't think they should do turf. I know so, I know the Eagles they do astroturf, which is a mix of turf and grass. Uh-huh. So I think that they could uh, teams should move to that. I also do think that some stadiums are cursed, and like, oh, like because I think FedEx Field, I think we can all agree, is probably one of the most cursed stadiums because of all the injuries that have happened there. There was Joe Burrow's RG three, a bunch more, Alex all Smith. that. Yeah, exactly. Alex Smith, yeah. Exactly. There, like, there are just stadiums that are just cursed, and there are some other stadiums though, like MetLife, that do need some fixing up. So, um, I do think um, they should just they need to update some of the fields, um, and they need to have some like certain requirements and stuff for them. Um, but there are, uh, yeah, and they could move to um, uh, AstroTurf or all grass if that is what it takes for safety and stuff like that. But um, I know there are fields like I think Minnesota and. Um, Detroit, I mean, there's not really a ton of injuries there, um, but they are still turf. So I just think it's probably the quality of the stadium that affects some of these injuries. And maybe SoFi and MetLife aren't, are some of those stadiums that um, aren't met for some certain like health requirements and stuff like that. So coming into this season, it was an even split uh, down the middle. 16 NFL teams play um, on turf and 16 play on grass. And then obviously some have... The mitts, right? The mix, so yeah. I, I just the mitts, like the Astro turf stuff, would count towards playing on turf um, across fourteen stadiums. Obviously, with the Jets and Giants sharing uh, the joint field uh, at MetLife. So, Kobe, what say you about the, all this? It's it's kind of interesting. So, my opinion, I think they should just ban it outright. And I have, <laughs> I have a, I did a little bit of research. Okay. Uh, a piece written by the NFLPA president J.C. Uh, Tedder or Treader, uh-huh. he said that players have a 32% higher rate of non-contact knee injuries when playing on turf, and a 69% higher rate of non-contact foot or ankle injuries on turf. Oh, wow. wow. So I, it's very, it's the the stats are there. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's horrible that it's and Is these that are pure non- turf. Yeah, pure, okay. that was pure turf in, that he put in, the, in his uh, in his article in the NFLPA, and if you have those statistics, you're you're very clearly hurting your players. I understand the finances that go into maintaining grass, but it's the knee and ankle <laughs> injuries, like if they get bad, like Sterling Shepard's career, it's affected forever now uh-huh. because he 
slightly jogged the wrong way and he tore his ACL. And he's been hurt multiple times. Yeah, throughout exactly. his career. And once like you get this. injured, like it's it's like yeah. really likely you're gonna get injured in the same way again. It's so. it's gonna be a landing thing and obviously tearing your ACL, that's not something that you pop back up from right nah. away and you're you're the same player, right? It's gonna take a long you time to recover. Always shadow yourself from that. Yeah, so again, whatever they can do um to really kind of um prevent this in the future I, i'm I sure agree with going like the afro turf way and like, a lot of the indoor stadiums like fully. are the ones with turf um like the super domes yeah. um in yeah. atlanta and and new orleans um cowboys the Bengals play on synthetic uh, turf the cowboys yeah so and then even you know when you have them on those outside stadiums in, in hotter places um it did <laughs> that, that turf i mean it you know reflects some heat man mm-hmm. that stuff is hot so <laughs> yeah. It's not exactly ideal when burnt. you're playing in Miami or something <laughs> and you're getting slammed in the turf and that thing is like 110 degrees. Yeah, like so. I have I have turf in my hometown, uh, like a turf field and stuff, and we never go in the summer. Like it's uh-huh. winter, fall, or oh, yeah, no, like early spring time when you can go to that <laughs> turf because it gets super hot. <laughs> yeah. We, we always pass on the grass. That was also because <laughs> our lacrosse team was a lot better than our football team, but uh-huh. still, like the heat also played into it. I think my high school had turf um, as well. So, uh, yeah, again, it'll be interesting to see what the NFL elects to do uh, with players speaking out. And then um, the final injury I wanted to talk about was really something scary uh, that came out, I, I believe, yesterday, and that is Miles Garrett. Uh, get into uh, a pretty serious uh, car accident. Now he is um, not in any serious, um, you know, he's not in any bad condition or anything. He's he's not. He'll be fine, basically. Is, yeah, I think it was like a shoulder sprain, bicep sprain, and like a few bumps and bruises. Right. So it says he sustained non-life-threatening injuries in the accident. So obviously that's that's you know, all well and good there. And he was released from the hospital Monday night. Um, and so he was in a single car accident. Uh, so minor injuries for him. But again, always kind of scary when, when you see this stuff. Obviously, not going to get into stuff like the Henry Runs incident last year. We all know what happened there. Just dumb decision making. But this is something that you really can't control. It's not like he was under the influence or anything. Um, but just kind of crazy to see this off the field stuff, you kind of forget sometimes that these guys are normal people and they've got to drive places sometimes. And cars, I mean, we've heard all the statistics, guys, you know, flying is much safer than driving. And, you know, obviously the road is uh, sometimes the, the wild west, depending on who's on it. Um, so yeah. it's, it's pretty crazy, right? To just think about how a guy like Miles Garrett, who is in the midst of a season right now where he's trailing every day, he's got a game every week. He's keeping his body in like peak physical condition. All of a sudden, he could you know be locked out for however long uh, because of something like this, just a life thing, getting uh, into an accident. So, uh, pretty crazy stuff there. Just wanted to talk about that uh, really quickly. We're gonna get into some baseball stuff um, before we go to break. We've got probably five or six minutes left here, and uh, we're gonna start out. Uh, by talking about a couple of divisions that were clinched last night. Yankees win uh, in Toronto to clinch the American League East. So that is their 20th division title uh, since divisions uh, were established in the 70s. And then the Cardinals uh, ended up wrapping up the LL Central uh, with a 62 win over the Brewers, who are the closest team to them in that division. So... We're really winding down the regular season here, guys. A lot of teams with less than 10 games left to go. And so a lot of these division races and, and wild card spots, as we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks here, are getting wrapped up. Uh, Houston, the Yankees, and Cleveland have all clinched their divisions. We're going to the AL wild card race. Seattle right now um, is in a bit of a slump. The Orioles are three and a half games back. And so they're really the only team that's got a chance to catch Seattle for that final spot. Tampa is still a game and a half up on the Mariners, and the Blue Jays are three ahead of the race. So they are uh, sitting pretty there. And then in the NL, the Dodgers, Braves, and Cardinals lead the division right now. Braves uh, with just uh, – well, I guess they're tied with the Mets. Yeah, they're both 97 and 58. So a tie for first place there. Uh, and then the Padres and Phillies in those wild card spots. But – these wild card races are heating up a little bit, guys. Brewers now just a game and a half uh, behind the Phillies 
for that third and final wild card spot. And we know the narratives. It's been a long time since we've had a red October here in the Philadelphia area. Yes. And can the Phillies hang on? Now, when you look at both schedules, um, the Phillies, they uh, are in Chicago tonight. Jack Miller's rocking the uh, okay, the opposition down. here, he wearing the, wearing the like Cubs that. shirt for some reason. <laughs> Um, when like his that. when his team's in the midst of a playoff playoff <laughs> chase here, he's just like rocking the other team like that. But uh, I don't know about that. So they've got psychology, you know. He's yeah. There you go. Hoping hoping for uh, some voodoo magic there. So they've got two against the Cubs. Then they go to Washington in the nation's capital for four against the Nationals, okay. and then they finish at the Astros in Houston. So they finish here on uh, a bit of a road trip to the Phillies. So the next time that we're going to see them at Citizens Bank Park is uh, going to have to be in the postseason. And uh, they've got a one-and-a-half game lead up uh, on the Milwaukee Brewers, who again dropped to uh, the Cardinals last night. And then when you look at the Brewers and what they've got coming up. Um, they got an easy schedule as well. So they've got the Cardinals tonight at home. Then they've got four against the Marlins at home. And then they finish with a three-game set against Arizona at home. So pretty much the complete opposite. Brewers get to kind of stay home, welcome in uh, a couple of opponents coming up after tonight's game against the Cardinals that are already out of uh, the playoffs, uh, that playoff race. Meanwhile, for the Phillies, they've got to go up against some tough opponents uh, down the latter stretch of the year. Obviously, Washington uh, is not in that conversation, but the Astros, three in Houston is going to be tough. So, Jack, we'll go to you first. Do you think the Phillies hang on to this one-and-a-half game lead, and do they squeak into the playoffs for the first time in 11 years? I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I I sure hope so. But, um, and yeah, as you mentioned, they have Arizona. Um, what I thought was um, hopefully that we can clinch the playoffs by – Houston, um, before Houston starts that Houston series, so then both of us can just have like a triple A game for three for like a series, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> um, I don't really feel like playing, uh, I don't think any team would want to play the Houston Astros as they're the best team in the AL, so uh, second best team in baseball. So, um, hopefully, we can get to the next two against Chicago, um, today and tomorrow, and then hopefully, we can get, um, a sweep as we've had in the past this season against the Nationals in four games. Well, on Saturday it'll be a doubleheader. So, um, but I'm hoping that we can see some Red October, and I'll definitely try and uh, squeak some tickets uh, to see if we can get a game at Citizens Bank. So, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And then when you look at the American League, um, you know, Seattle is in a little bit of a slide. Um, they get shut out last night, and so the Orioles are just three and a half games back. They've been hanging around for the better hard a better part of the second half here they've had been on this run and they've just kind of been in the midst just three and a half games back for them um Kobe do the Orioles maybe have a chance to to sneak past Seattle and then three and a half back um if you got their schedule pulled up great if not uh you can just ask me to give it to you but the Orioles not exactly a take watch for them to finish the season they're gonna have to play some of their best baseball um, if they want to get past Seattle, who right now is 83 and 78 and three and a half games up on them. So do does this Orioles team that would be the biggest surprise in baseball this year if they snuck into the playoffs, do they have a chance to do it? I don't think they do. Uh-huh. I think the schedule is too tough. And uh, just like with all – like they got, they're playing they're, – they're in the AL East, which uh-huh. is the toughest division. And you got to close out with that. It's going to be tough compared to the AL West, who's – they have an awful division over there. True. And they're finishing the the Mariners. Their their closing schedule, or just even the few next few days, it's the Athletics and the Tigers. Yep. In the Rangers <laughs> too. And I think Julio, Ty France, and Crawford. I, I like them, and I think they can just tee off on those teams, and I think they can clinch it. Yeah, I think you know they have more firepower offensively, like you said, with those three guys. But the pitching has really been their strength this year, and the three teams they're going up against are not good offensive teams. The Rangers at least have Semi and, and Senior in that middle of that order is scary. They've got some power there. Nate Lowe is having a good year as well, but the A's and the Tigers are probably the worst two-headed teams in, in baseball. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Seattle's got them for their last two series. Meanwhile, the Orioles, um, they've got to go to New York, I believe. Yeah, they've got three against the Yankees, um, and then they've got three against Toronto in Baltimore to wrap it up. And so 
Laquan, the odds are stacked against them. Uh, do you think the Orioles have any way of beating the Yankees, who just clinched the division last night, and then they've got Toronto, who's atop the wild card stand, and two really good teams? Do the Orioles pull something out of the hat and maybe give Seattle a run for their money, or do you think the AL playoffs are basically uh, set in stone at this point? They're gonna have to find a miracle, in my opinion. Yep. To do that. I feel like it's there's like that small, small sliver of hope that like they can like grasp onto and that they like can focus in on, but. To be honest, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I I got to be with you guys. I, I think I ought to agree. It, it's been a great run for them. It's been cool to see them finally get over the hump, and their young guys are producing now, and they're winning games. But I think it's just too much ground to make up uh, with, with both schedules being uh, so vastly different. So uh, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll have our top five for you here to wrap up the show on offsides. But before we go to break, we've got to check the WGLS community calendar. Parents Anonymous of New Jersey is a nonprofit family strengthening agency that serves families all across the state. Services include weekly parent support groups, the confidential family helpline, father time, and more. For information about services, volunteering opportunities, or donations, their phone number is 609-585-7666, and their website is paofnj.com. This community calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7. WGLSFM, your source for community news and information. When we come back to Offsides, we'll have our top five for you. Don't go anywhere. This is RowanRadio.com Channel 2. Grab a fistful of quarters and head on over to the 80s Arcade. Saturday mornings from 10 till noon on Rowan Radio. Come celebrate the decade of decadence with me, Lee Kirshner. Enjoy awesomely rad artists and totally tubular hits. Oh, gnarly! It's a blast from the neon-colored past. It's the 80s Arcade, every Saturday morning starting at 10, right here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, and also online at rowanradio.com. When you're high, you feel different. You think different, you talk different, you draw different, you listen to music different, but you probably knew that. Problem is, you also drive different, and not in a good way. That's why driving high is illegal everywhere. So if you're high, just don't drive. Make a plan to get a sober ride. Because if you feel different, you drive different. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're listening here on RowanRadio.com. Channel 2, this is Offsides, your Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Aaron Hook, and I'm joined by Laquan Burrows, Kobe O'Brien, and Jack Miller uh, here for our four-man group. Uh, again, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 5 to 6 p.m., you can catch Offsides here on RowanRadio.com, Channel 2, and I'll be here every Wednesday uh, hosting Offsides. So... Uh, the midweek edition. So uh, before we get into our top five, just quickly uh, got to uh, read something out, and that is going to be telling you to take a deep dive into the world of news, entertainment, and pop culture with Studio 89.7 on the second Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. <laughs> Join Philadelphia radio veteran Paul Perello as he sits down with major news majors, authors, and celebrities to discuss a variety of topical issues. You'll experience something new. It's starting and different with Paul Perello on 89.7, the second Saturday of each month at 9 a.m., only on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, also online at rowanradio.com. My boy Paul Perello on the second Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. And so, boys, we have reached the top five, and today's top five is an interesting one. We did not talk about the NBA Um just two segments today, quick little MLB one there, and then most of the time we've been talking about the NFL, but wanted to get the NBA involved in some capacity as we are less than a month away from opening night. Uh, preseason starts pretty soon as well. We're just about three weeks out from opening night, which is pretty crazy. The NBA season is coming up very, very soon here. And so our top five is going to be our top five uh, surprise slash breakout candidates for the upcoming season. Now, 
This doesn't exactly have to be a young guy per se. I'm sure most of us will have guys who are younger because that's when most guys break out. You know, they get into the lead and they figure things out eventually. But, you know, if you've had an eye on a guy who's a little older, maybe in his mid-20s or something like that, who's been bouncing around and you think he's in a new situation now and he's going to have a good year, all all predictions are welcome here. It's just a guy that you think is really going to have his best year and, and try to break down, try to put himself on the map this year. So <coughs> so we are going to start with, let's see, let's go to Kobe first. Looking right at him, uh, telepath that one. We'll go to Kobe first for his top five breakout candidates. For this upcoming NBA season, what do you got? I have Tyrese Maxey. I think he's been a great player, but I think this year he can really take that big step to like become a star. I like that. Uh, at four, I have Patrick Williams. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Lonzo can't walk right now, <laughs> yeah. and I think <laughs> that's not an over-exaggeration. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think him, he's going to be a big part of their offense because he was injured all last year. I think once he gets his legs under him, I think he could be a really good player for them. I'm not, I don't think he's going to be quite an all-star, but he's definitely a solid year out of him. Three, I have Herb Jones from the Pelicans. He is a dog on defense. Yep. He's lanky, and defensively, he's not going to get, like, because he's such a defensive person, he's not going to get credit that he typically should. But when you got Zion and Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum doing all the offensive stuff, I think he's going to really shine on defense. At two, I have uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, that – Okay, that's a good one. I, I may have just written his name down on my list as well. <laughs> He's uh, it's he finally has his team. He has his team. The, the Pacers are going to build around him. Uh, I don't. I, he borderline all star this year. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be just left outside of it. But I, 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 he's been one of my favorite players to watch over the past few years. And at number one, I have Cade. Uh, it's his time. Mm. You know, they're building around him. They're they're giving them the ball. He's got to he's got to show out. It's gonna be him and Ivy, but I think he, uh, since he's been in the system just a little longer, I think they're gonna focus the offense around him. I think he's gonna. I think he can be an All Star this year. I, I think they're really gonna give him the tease, right? Him and Ivy. They'll use Ivy as more of that explosive off ball type guy. He'll he'll handle the ball as well. But I think you're right. I think Tate is gonna be the guy uh, there in Detroit. So I liked a lot of those pits actually, Kobe. I, you you dug deep a little bit there. You pulled some guys out that. I really wasn't thinking of. I like the Herb Jones pick a lot. Patrick Williams is a really good one as well. So uh, good list there from Kobe O'Brien. Uh, we'll move across the table from him, go over to Laquan Burroughs. Top five breakout candidates this year. It's hilarious because my list was very similar to his, except for <laughs> Herb and uh, who did you just say again? Uh, Halbert. Halbert, yeah. I didn't have those two. Instead, I had uh, DeAndre Hunter and Robert Williams. Ooh, okay. I feel like those, those two yeah. really like, especially Hunter for me. I feel like if um, his team can really turn things around, it's going to be because of him. I feel like he mm -hmm. showed showed that he has a lot to gain coming up now, and I feel like he will definitely be a difference maker for them. Same for um, Robert Williams. I feel like he also has has started to prove himself. So I feel like once they start to build up. Um, It'll be great. I I was that's why I was looking at you because I was like, wow, this list is this list is starting to <laughs> so you had similar. <laughs> so you had Tate on there too. Yeah, I okay. had I I had basically the same. I didn't have them in the, in the same order, uh -huh. but I, I didn't really make an order. I just kind of li listed who I felt. Right, were. DeAndre Hunter is a very interesting one. Um, I feel like he's for, a wild card one. Right, he's really he's been a really good role player for the Hawks, but I think you're right. I think he's got potential to really become you know. A guy who, when Trey Young is maybe having an off night, they could go to him for, you know, a quick exactly. 16, 17 points or get up to a 20-point-per-game guy mm -hmm. at some point. He's already really good defensively. And so, yeah, I like that pick a lot. I like DeAndre Hunter. That's an interesting one. Jack, who's your uh, who's your list? Well, when I said can when you said candidates, I thought of teams. So I have teams. Oh, okay. okay. So, well, I have te so I have teams. Go ahead. For, go ahead. That's actually uh, makes it uh, more diverse here. So I do have the Pistons because of Cade, and I do love Jaden Ivey. And because of the whole Sacramento lottery, um, I guess, conspiracy of them <sighs> missing the next pick um, for breakout players. Mm -hmm. I do think that Jay Nivey will be uh, a star for that Pistons team. I do also have the Clippers, um, who I think because of John Wall, hopefully he stays healthy, but um, that John Wall pick I think really helps that whole Clippers team um, because they just need a playmaker. They have a lot of scores. They just need that playmaker like the Lakers did in 2020 with mm -hmm. Rondo. And uh, I think that really helps them out. I do have the Hawks as well. Um, I do think that they 
um because of last year it was a little bit of a setback um compared to that roaring uh, hawk year that they had mm-hmm. um when they made it all the way to the eastern conference finals i do think that they do have a more complete group and i um and i think that they can go farther um they can probably make it to the semi or eastern conference finals for uh that and for the atlanta squad it'll be a tough east but the hawks yeah definitely yeah. so i do also have the Cavs because of donovan mitchell yep. <laughs> um, they they i think they will probably be a two two seed probably but um i do think they will struggle <laughs> at first i do think they'll struggle at first for a little bit yeah, I, I think, yeah. Kobe's face. Kobe yeah. does not agree. They, yes. Five or six. No, there's no way they're <laughs> going five or six. I think they've got the ceiling to be a two seed. Why not? Yeah. Oh, they have a ceiling to it. But, yeah. But Could happen. That's the ceiling. I think they'll struggle <laughs> it's at It's all predictions. I, I think they'll probably struggle at first, but then they're just going to get it really together and then make it all the way to that, like a top team in the East. And then uh, Kobe I do, seems very grounded in in, yeah. re, in reality. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, well, they've got the ceiling, but they're not going. But, to. Yeah, <laughs> they're, I'm very realistic when it comes to predictions. And then I do have the Pelicans. Um, I do think that they that team um, can make it far in the West. Um, I think that they can at least be a um, be one of the best teams in the West, and um, I think they can make it far. I think that they have uh, they can probably. Uh, I don't know about the Warriors and all. I mean, the Warriors are a great team, but I think that um, that West. Uh, I think they'll make it to like the semis. Like they'll make it past the first round for sure. Yeah, and I mean, then they're a really young group um, with CJ and Brandon Ingram and uh, Valanciunas and all them. I mean, they're doing. They did. They picked it up in the beginning, and they get Zion back. Yep. I mean, he's. He, I mean, he looks ripped. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he <laughs> lost weight, but he looks ripped still. So. Um, I think that Jack. that whole group will be uh, something uh, put together as well, and I hope make it past the first round. So. Yeah, Pelicans obviously gave the Suns a run for their money um, last year in, in the first round as an eight seed. They pushed them to six games yeah. there. So, exactly. yeah, Pelicans without a, Zion. Yes, without Zion. Zion. <laughs> um, so they were a fun team last year, and I'm sure they'll uh, get even better this year. So. Uh, Jack, uh, switching it up a little bit, giving us team. I should have made it more specific it's okay. for, for players. <laughs> That's my fault, but uh, pretty interesting. So, uh, quickly go through mine. Five through one, I've got Lamella Ball at five. Uh, with the Miles Bridges legal stuff, I think Lamella is kind of in line to really be the guy there in Charlotte, uh, be the main scorer. Obviously, he's the primary ball handler, so I think he's going to have a huge year. At four, I've got Zion coming back. Um, now, he's he's been really good when he's been on the court, so I guess you could argue that he already has broken out, but I really think he's going to be able to stay healthy this year uh, and kind of put it all together for a, a complete season for the first time since he's uh, been drafted. So uh, at three, I've got his former Duke teammate, R.J. Barrett. Um, I, I... Think, uh, dude, I mean, look, he was a 20-point-per-game scorer last year. You bring in Brunson as, as his point guard now uh, where he can kind of be more comfortable off the ball. Uh, I, I think he breaks out a little bit. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say he does anything crazy. He's not going to win the MVP <laughs> or anything. But I think he did get up to 22, 23 points a game and be a little bit more efficient now with Brunson there. And, you know, hopefully Julius Randle is not insufferable to watch. And so, you know, hopefully he's got a little bit more more help around him so he can just kind of um, take another jump that uh, he's ta- he took last year. R.J. Barrett looked really good in the second half of last year. So, um at two, I've got Jalen Green. I am super, super high on Jalen Green. I think he is going to be a very, very uh, good scorer one day in this league. Like, one of the best in the league. I think he's already projected um, to be that. I think he could get up to 22, 23 points a game this year as a second-year player, and he'll keep taking steps. So, love Jalen Green um, as a breakout candidate. And then at number one, I do have Tyrese Halliburton. Um I think he's going to go ballistic this year with the, with Indiana. Me and Kobe are on the same page. I think, you know, you talked about borderline all-star. I think he's really going to make the case to, to be an all-star in the Eastern Conference this year. I think he's going to have to give you 20 plus points a game and, and close to 10 assists a night uh, when it's his offense. And it's going to be out there in Indiana for a rebuilding club. So Tyrese Halliburton is my number one. Okay, so that's our top five breakout candidates for this upcoming NBA season. That's our top five segments, so and we're going to wrap things up here. Thank you to uh, the three of you guys for joining me today here 
uh, on this midweek edition of Offsides, Laquan Burroughs, Toby Bryan, uh, Toby O'Brien, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Toby O'Brien, <laughs> um, and Jack Miller uh, coming through and helping me out here. So a big thank you to uh, the three of you guys. Again, you can catch Offsides every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 to 6 p.m., and I'll be your host every Wednesday uh, here in the middle of the week. So that's going to do it for Offsides. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody, and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.